0: Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a VinePair Next Round conversation, bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes, in order to give a fuller picture of what's going on in the alcohol beverage industry. Uh, today, I'm joined by Matt Linder and Charles Charles Jolie, founders of Craft House. Guys, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: So, um, you know, before we get into Everything I want to get into because I'm I'm really excited to have you guys on, um, especially given what's happening in the world of cocktails right now. Can you give the listeners and myself a little bit of background on who you are and who Craft House Cocktails is?
1: Sure, I could. I'll get started. This is Matt. Awesome. So my background for the last oh gosh 30 years, <laughs> which dates me a bit, has been in the restaurant hospitality world, uh, mostly in Chicago. Um, where I started a little neighborhood bar and grill called Bird's Nest. Um, from there, kind of expanded out, uh, met Charles in, in 99. He and I um, continued to develop different concepts, again, in and around Chicago. Um, Cans Bar and Canteen uh, was at one, Salute Tequila Lounge. And, and several others in 2007 started a place called The Drawing Room, uh, which was a classic and craft cocktail bar um, where really the idea of craft house stemmed from, um, when, uh, we were doing kind of that, that classic, um, cocktail before a lot of people nationally were, of course, there's New York and San Francisco and one other, maybe in Chicago. Um, and, uh, and so we been been lifelong in the hospitality industry and this was a natural transition to go into
0: craft house. Very cool. Charles.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I too have been in the uh, hospitality industry my entire adult life, and uh, you know I I started, as many do, uh, on accident in this business in my very early 20s, and have done just about every job that you can imagine in it. You know I was I was a busboy for one day actually before I got moved up to barback, and then I barbacked for uh, for several years before I earned a spot behind the bar. Uh, I worked my way up to uh, manager, and then uh, became the operations director of a bar group that Matt was uh, a partner in. And um, yeah, just fell in love with the the energy of it. Um, and then when we opened the Drawing Room in '07, as as Matt had mentioned, um, there was no cocktail movement happening in Chicago to really speak of. Uh, it was a, a bit of great timing and a happy accident, and being in the, the right place at the right time with the right work ethic, and, and also um, my finding a um, real niche and, and my love in the industry, which combined both the energy and the hospitality uh, with um, cocktails and, and starting to research and learn about all these, you know, classic cocktails and, you um, the histories behind them using fresh ingredients working with uh chefs to you know inspire uh, my cocktail creations
0: interesting so from there how is craft house born and and what gives you guys the idea to start this company
1: yeah charles you want to kind of talk about this scenario
2: yeah i can pick that up um, we this it happened truly organically i know you hear that all the time people are always <laughs> talking about oh we want things to happen you know organically let them you know it, but this really did um we did not start a uh, a bottle cocktail company with the idea of um you know the next big business plan uh it was because we knew about entertaining um we knew about making cocktails delicious and and we saw a need from it from our guests at the bar at the drawing room um i i recall a moment that that really you know, was seemingly mundane at the time, but was was, pr- was pretty pivotal um, in that, um, you know, our hostess comes over to me behind the bar mid-shift and, and it's like, oh, hey, you have a call. And she has the phone. Um, and I'm like, well, you handed me the phone in the middle of shift. like, it was like, you know, prime time, you know, at a Friday night at like 9.30, 10 o'clock. And it was one of our regulars whom I had given a recipe to for a cocktail on our menu. And we always would share the recipes with people if they, they had asked, happy to, to walk them through step-by-step. And she said you know we're having a party we're trying to make this cocktail it's just not coming out the way it does in the bar Um, and it just spurred the question you know can we make cocktails for people with the same ingredients the same integrity that we do in our craft cocktail bar so they don't need to do this when they're at home you know i i love to teach people to make cocktails i love to empower people to make drinks on their own And i think people should explore that but at the end of the day it's not their job to understand the perfect balance. It's not their job to understand exactly what spirit to, to reach for and to get it right every time. It's it's my career. It's Matt's career. So we can take out some of that guesswork. And, and so we got to work with it. And, uh, and, and Craft House was born in, in a moment like that.
1: I think you know one of the things too probably up late uh, after shift, kind of talking about the idea of it. When we started talking, it was a lot about just what Charles is saying. You know, like there's so many situations where people don't have time or the ability, or they somehow mess up the balance at home to a, to a well-crafted cocktail. But you know, then as we talked about it, we're like, we're so many, There's so many other scenarios. Where people would want a well-crafted cocktail, it's just not even available to them. And we're talking about the airlines or, you know, concerts or um, different different hotel in-rooms type service, different places where, you know, because they don't have the time that needed to to mm-hmm. construct a well-crafted cocktail where they don't have the ability. And we, our eyes kind of lit up like, wow, you know, there really is, even though, you know, it, it's, it originated from the idea that at home, when people want one, Uh, this gives them an option. And we really realized that the space is so much bigger than what we initially even envisioned. So questions for you guys. So what year was this? Oh boy, this is like nine years ago. (laughs) We, uh, yeah, at least nine years ago that we started talking about it.
0: So, you know, obviously, you know, now, and I will get to now, uh, hopefully in a little bit, you know, RTD or RTS or however the industry is trying to, you know, choosing to, to call them are kind of the rage. Right. But at that point, no one's really doing them. You would go to Europe and see, obviously, this. Right. But I think a lot of people thought that they were illegal in the US. How did you figure out how to do cocktails to go? Right. How did you figure out, like, what was the pro? What was in your process? Obviously, you had this idea of, like, okay, we have these customers we give the recipes to, and they're not loving how those recipes are coming out at home. They want our help. Um, how did you then go from that point to, we have a product on the the shelf. You know what research did you do? Who did you partner with in order to make that happen? Because like I said, if, if you had come to me in 2011, even though I was a you know a cocktail enthusiast, I would have told you that I thought that RTDs were illegal in the U.S. I,
1: you know, I think our biggest challenge not not that we thought it was necessarily like illegal. We, we were just told it couldn't be done. Um, right. You know, we couldn't use real juice and we couldn't use real ingredients. You know, we had to we had to be you know an elevated skinny girl or or something you know where where it is it's going to be it's going to be um something that mimics the flavor of a cocktail as opposed to being just a true cocktail so for us that was the biggest um challenge is to really like all right we know this can be done you know we know you can make an authentic cocktail and put it in a bottle and we work with somebody that was heavily involved in the wine industry obviously as as wine is a is a real juice that's preserved you know, and and working with them and understanding different techniques of how to best keep the integrity of the cocktail. But um, you know, we were we were told constantly it just it won't be shelf stable. It just can't be done. You know, you can't scale right. up a cocktail like that. It won't it won't taste the same. Um, so definitely a lot of naysayers, but we were just uh, we we're super committed to the idea that it actually could be done.
2: Yeah, there's no shortage of prepared something in a bottle on the shelf at that time. Uh, but the bar was absurdly low, uh, and you know, with, you know, just bad margarita mixes right. or, um, cloying, um, you know, cocktails, uh, it, that, like, as Matt said, like that simulated a cocktail, but were nothing, you know, nowhere near close to what you could get, you know, if you were to come to a bar, um, so, and I think that's the, that's the deal. Like no one had approached it from all these people are approaching it from a, uh, a manufacturing standpoint. We were approaching, approaching it from a bartender standpoint. Okay. I, I know I can make one cocktail delicious, um, uh, right in front of my guests. Uh, I know I can have a party or an event or do a charity event or, and, and batch up a thousand cocktails and make them delicious still. Um, so what's it going to take to make it? stable to make 10,000 of these and and put them in a bottle without screwing with the ingredients, uh, without, you know, putting things, you know, anything in the bottle that we weren't going to be proud to talk about. So um, it was expensive to do. Uh, It was difficult to find a facility that, you know, would bottle for us that, that wanted to uh, go that route because there wasn't a lot of precedent for what we were doing. Um, And so we definitely had to, um, we were going through, uh, you know, some, some uncharted paths to, to get to where we are today.
1: And we were, I mean, we were definitely a real pain in the ass to work with too. Yeah. We started at a facility up in, outside of Montreal, um, little hard cider facility. So again, had experience with the juice. Um, but man, we made a mess of their plant trying to <laughs> you know, filter the ginger and, and, you know, do everything the way that, and, and, and there it was often suggested to us, well, hey, you could just do this. This will be cheaper, easier, quicker, and you know, our response would always be like, "That's that's not that's not what we're doing." You know, that's right. you're still not necessarily understanding the fact that we're we are doing the cocktail the same way we would do it behind the bar. You know, it can be done. So we may have burned a few bridges <laughs> along the way with people that just weren't weren't seeing our vision fully. But they, you know, at the end of the day, it was it was achieved.
0: So, yeah, so question there, which I think is really interesting, I would assume that at that point in time, right, you were being told by people, oh, well, there's other people who are just kind of like, like Smirnoff is getting away with this with just, you know, malt, right? They're making basically a malt beverage that people think is a cocktail. Was that approach – is that what? Is that one of the things that was offered to you guys and just you said no immediately?
2: Every shortcut that you can imagine was offered to us. Uh, <laughs> it was – and it was it, it – it is – even to this day, it's so, and now it's, you know, it's maybe just changed in the last year or two, um, because honestly we helped to set the precedent um, that a, a, no one could wrap their head around it. They couldn't wrap their head around why we would want to make simple syrup and not use corn syrup. Right? Um, they couldn't wrap their head around why we wanted to bring in uh, a real citrus uh, into the mix and not use citric acid. Like we don't, we there's not a gram of citric acid in any of our, our products. Um, you know it was uh, why would you want to use a spirit of that quality like nobody's going to be able to tell the difference the average drinker's not going to be able to tell the difference We're like well it's like that's not who we are you know and from day 1 matt you know was was super on board with this and it, it was like hey you know charles you the cocktails are your area of expertise like you know you have final say on on flavor profiles on ingredients um you know and then we'll figure out a way to you know to make it make sense from a from a business aspect uh and and move from there one
0: of the things i'm curious about first before i guess we get into the spirits which i was i was jumping the gun here uh is the one of the things i have heard from certain people who've t- also tried to do cocktails to go or whatever is how hard citrus is to do what is it that makes citrus difficult is it that it just as you guys were saying it doesn't stay Shell stable is long, or there could be issues with citrus inside the, the packaging. Like, why is it that everyone has this belief that citrus is so difficult when it comes to doing, you know, canned cocktails?
2: I, I mean, it has to do with first and foremost, the balance of the cocktail, getting it to, getting it to taste right. Um, you know, nothing is going to be quite like citrus that I squeezed for you fresh, you know, that shift uh, right. and, 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 you know, right in front of you. Um, that being said, yeah, you deal, you have to, uh, worry about preservation issues. You have to worry about, um, you know, real, real world stuff like microbial, you know, uh, issues that might, might happen. It's the same thing. If you, if you can something at home, you know, and you're using a Mason jar, um, you know, making sure that those jars are clean and sterilized and all that. Um, so that, that works up for any, any sort of, uh, uh, product that's going to go out to the masses as well. Um, and, and And yeah and, and expense, I think was a big part of it as well. People were like, well, why would you citric acid is real cheap <laughs> so to mix a, why wouldn't you mix a powder and water together as opposed to um, buying, shipping, storing um, you know dealing with a product that that can be volatile um, and yeah, so I mean but what what else would we use though it just didn't right. there was no there's no question from our standpoint that that was the route to go.
0: So in terms of the the spirits, right so one of the things I've noticed with with trying the product is some of the products you actually do label what spirit is inside of it, right so uh, a lot of the rum you you label as plantation are those partnerships you guys have created um d- like how how does that also go about when you guys are sourcing the spirits for all these different cocktails you're making
2: absolutely the spirits are i mean that is the foundation of any cocktail um your your base spirit uh, whatever you may be using your vodkaogen rum rum tequila you know so forth um so it was also important from a, to us from day one to have integrity. If you if you can't build if your foundation is not rock solid, then anything else we do to it is just going to be a bit wobbly <laughs> as you move forward. Um, and so we just didn't cut corners. And I think it's part of you know our our decades in the business. We had a lot of relationships, and um, those partnerships happened really uh they did happen organically <laughs> right um at that time i was working at the aviary in chicago uh which is in, in the west loop neighborhood of chicago and ch distillery had just opened up great great small bu- bu- uh, boutique distillery had just opened up shop like you know three quarters of a mile from us so of course we popped by to see what was going on there um, their products were amazing uh they were you know distilling. Uh, they still are distilling vodka from grain, milling grain in house. Like nobody does that. <laughs> Everybody buys uh, a, a, a GNS and then redistills uh, themselves. Right. These guys are doing it from scratch, super high integrity. So we're like, hey, we're going to need vodka and gin. Um, you know, would you guys be, you know, want to sell us some? Uh, you know, and they and they were very cool and also ambitious and and creative. And we're like, yeah, let's let's find a way to work together. Um, so. The same thing happened with plantation uh, when we just we just launched rum cocktails for the first time uh, about a, uh, about a year ago or so and um, I happen to have a, a relationship through you know the cocktail world with um, the folks from Ferrand cognac and plantation rums and you have sent an email and we' were like hey uh, you know Alexander like we're doing this project he's like yes I've heard about it I think it's it's great and so, you know uh, your your cocktails have integrity it, it seems like it's in line with um you know they value their rums or you know and uh have super high standards for everything they're doing so it was a real compliment for for me and for craft house that uh brands like that would want to work for us they typically they're not selling their rums uh, to everyone so yeah we and they're the products that i would often use behind my bar so it was important to me for every spirit in our cocktails to be something that I would want to drink my, myself and serve to you separate if they were not in a craft house cocktail. Um, and that said, uh, the profiles of each of the drinks are, um, you know, they're not, they're not the most um, adventurous cocktails in the sense of they're, they're not, they're, they're complex, but they're not ultra challenging. They're still familiar flavors. So we can work with, we, you know, we're not. If I want to change my vodka or my gin, um, that, that can happen. It's not going to, you know, the cocktail's not going to fall apart in it. Um, there are, are more than one one tool for the job, but yeah, we have great spirit partners right now. For you know, I've been down to the distillery that produces our tequila, uh, in Jalisco. Um, you know, we 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 pull our, our whiskey right now, comes out of Traverse City in, in Michigan. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. I mean, you can go to the store and buy bottles of you know, individual spirit for almost every everything that we have in, in our cocktails.
1: Yeah, I think we go back and forth about putting the logos, Traverse City Whiskey, you know, great friends of ours. I can't really see us using an, another bourbon, but as Charles stated, like the Gold Rush can be made with a variety of different bourbons. And I think, you know, one of the things that that um, we talk about is, you know, every... If, we, we have to make large runs, you know, in cans and everything. So, you know, let's just say we put the, the CH logo on, which we, we, Go back and forth, and, and if we're going to or not, um, and then another partnership arises um, where it would be a different vodka. You know, we've got all these cans that would necessarily have you know the logo. So we, we just bounce back and forth and back and forth. Again, we love all of our partners. We have we had personal relationships with them before. We had business relationships, um, but uh, you know it, it's um, it's one of those things that. We just don't know you know we don't know right. if we should be putting the logos on or not
2: and craft house is still a work craft house is still a growing brand and we are right. introducing the world to craft house as a brand uh and, and we want to you know we don't we're an independent brand uh it's it's myself and matt and about six other people <laughs> that run this entire company that has a, a pretty pretty far reach now across the us um uh, for our, our our ragtag group of, uh, of folks so we are still um introducing craft house as a name to um to cocktail enthusiasts around the country and so we don't want to also don't want to confuse them you know is, is this a ch product is this a plantation product um, these are partners that we are using in, in the batches as, as their mark so and proud to do so uh
0: so another question for you guys um one of the things that i think that was really cool obviously is you you put these in bag and box um, which to me makes a lot of sense, right It can be in the fridge every night when you get home you can have that Moscow mule uh, how long have you been doing that for and um you know obviously now i've seen a few people start to to do it as well but when when did you start doing it
1: <laughs> again we've been talking about this as an idea for for a couple of years um and it took us that long to kind of get get it all rolling exactly the way we want to you know we're a premium product we've always known that the 175 format in the ready to drink category is always dominated um obviously the individual formats um with the with the hard seltzers and and whatnot have kind of leveled it out. But, you know, we always thought the large format was the way to go. We just didn't know how to do it in a premium fashion. Um, And then when we started kind of digging in more and more and the more and more acceptance of the wine um, bag in the box, we're like, you know, I think we can do this in a bag that's going to really give it that premium presentation. You know, again, exactly as you're saying, too, you put it in the fridge, you know, you've got the tap, you you serve yourself a, a fresh cocktail nightly or however often yep. it stays good. There's limited, there's zero light, you know, it's, it's uh, seal packed. Um, so again, there's not a preservation problem. Um, and, and we just launched in, um, Illinois at, uh, at Benny's and in, in Colorado here in several locations, just a, a matter of a few weeks ago. Um, and the initial response has been, has been pretty awesome. So we're actually, um, within the next two, three weeks, going to be expanding to our smoky margarita and our pineapple daiquiri. So we'll end up having four different um, cocktails in, in a 175 box.
2: Awesome. I think that format is, is interesting as well. As Matt had mentioned, some of the, the positive attributes of using that format, it reminds me of uh, canned beer, you know, not too many years ago that people look down on like uh, on beer should only be in bottles or on tap. Uh, and everyone, you know, and now it seems like insane that you would not look at a can as the best way to enjoy a beer uh you know outside of perhaps being on tap fresh you know at at a, at a brewery but it it does everything that you would want it to do um you know perfect oxygen uh, uh avoidance uh no light that to, to damage right. the beer so uh, I think we've seen that happen with wine, with the bag and box format, uh, and so it, you know, even even corks and wine and screw caps. There's a time when you know people thought that you couldn't have a, a screw cap diminished a wine's uh, yeah. appeal, which is um, so. It'll be interesting. Perhaps we'll, we'll have, we don't we don't mind uh, paving another another path with uh, uh, cocktails in a box either. Well, guys, this has been really
0: fascinating to, to learn about sort of your story and and how. Sort of craft cocktails has evolved since since you started doing it, you know, in 2011, which is insane to think about. Are you you are national now, correct?
1: I think we're we are nearing national. I think by the end of the first quarter of next year, we'll be in about 35 states. That's wow. The, uh, that's
0: the and can people also purchase them purchase you through through the website or is it just at retailers at this point?
1: You know, because we are spirit-based, um, there are some retailers that are, you know, have the shipping capabilities okay. that you could find off of our website. You know, not all states allow um, spirits to be shipped, you know, into them. But if you do go to our website, yeah, you uh, several of our retail partners um, do have the ability to ship uh, across state lines.
0: Amazing. Well, guys, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, chat with me about Craft House. Um, and and definitely, I've I've tried them and thought that they were delicious. Um, I really loved the uh, the rum old fashioned. Um, so yeah, so cheers to you and and what you guys are doing. And you know, I encourage everyone listening to go out and try it because it's it's a really awesome product. I think you were at the forefront of something that's going to be really huge in the next few years.
2: Thank you so much, Adam. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having us and, and uh, cheers. And I hope everyone uh, can raise a glass uh, together soon. And until then, uh, yeah, give us a look. Check us out at Drink Craft House and uh, feel free. If you send us a note through Instagram or our website, it comes right to me or Matt. <laughs> That's the side company we still are.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Bear Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced by myself and Zach Jabal. It is also mixed and edited by him. Yeah, Zach, we know you do a lot. I'd also like to thank the entire Vinepair team, including my co-founder, Josh, and our associate editor, Kathleen. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.